This is Behind the Brush by St. Jack. If you're not a good listener, I don't think you're, this industry is good for you. You don't have to be the best makeup artist. You don't have to be the worst either. You just have to be you. Find a makeup style that you like. I guess when we all start, we want we try every single style to be up there. But then you fall into a niche of, you know, your bronzy glands or your smoky eye looks or your cut crease looks. So, yeah, I definitely say it's an amazing industry to be a part of. Yeah, there's room for everyone. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Brush. It's me, it's Beth, your host, makeup artist and founder of St. Jack. How are ya? It has been a couple of weeks. I am doing well, but a lot has been happening. So let's do a little rapid fire update for everybody. Biggest one, I moved house. Huge. It is absolutely huge. It is a much bigger job than you anticipate. Like I feel like people move house and they're like, oh, you know, that's a big deal. You know, that that's a lot of effort. And then you're actually in it and you're like, when did I accumulate all this crap? Anyway, I did it. Thank God. I'm here. I'm loving it. Two weeks ago, I went to the AFL grand final. I paid $350 for my ticket. I am a lifelong Sydney Swans fan obsessive. And if you know anything about football, you know that it was one of the worst games in the history of games. And the Sydney Swans got massacred in front of my very eyes, which was very painful to watch. And then afterwards, I was like, well, better go to the bar. And I had about 8 million pickleback shots. And if you've ever had a pickleback shot, or if you know what it is, you would know the deep sense of regret I felt the next day, not only because I felt like crap, but also because I had spent so much money and I had no nothing to show for it. So that was a little bit of a disaster, but I mean, it's all in good fun. It's part of the game, you know, winning and losing, part of the game. And also I did already talk about this on my Instagram and got lots of positive comments from you guys, from some of you who have also watched it, but I binged all of Heartbreak High on Netflix in about 24, 48 hours what a show. What a show. It just, I understand that Heartbreak High was around 20 or so years ago or whatever. I haven't watched the older version. I don't know if it would hit the same in 2022, but this show, wow. Kids who are in high school right now are so lucky that this show is being made. But more importantly, as an adult who couldn't be further away from school, I was watching it and I was like, wow, what a great story about representation, about accepting differences, about embracing differences. And also the makeup was on point. The styling was on point. If you need a new show, as I desperately do, I highly recommend you go and check that out. In terms of St. Jack, I am reasonably reluctant to say anything (laughs) because I feel like I sound like a broken record. I'm like the girl who cried wolf about this, this second product because I still haven't told you what it is. I'm not ready to do that yet because I want to time everything perfectly. You got to time these things perfectly, guys. You get it. You understand. But while I haven't been on the air, aka since the last time I recorded the podcast with me and Connor, things have progressed at quite a rapid speed. And I would say that we are now mere weeks away rather than mere months away from this product launching. And that is 
truly something that I am very, very, very proud of. And it also scares the shit out of me because I am putting everything I have, and I mean that in a literal financial, emotional, and spiritual sense, I am putting everything I have into this because I believe in it so strongly. And I believe in it so strongly that you are going to love it as much as I do. I have been using it for the last few months. It is just such a brilliant addition to my routine and I can't wait for you to try it. I I really can't. And I also can't wait to expand our St. Jack community from this amazing cult status artist vibe and open the doors a little bit and let some more beauty enthusiasts in with this particular product. So it's a really exciting time. And look, I don't, I've never said this on the podcast, but if you are a fan of the show If you are a fan of the brand, fan of the Makeup Cleaning Mist, and for whatever reason you are not subscribed to the St. Jack email database, you know, you go on the website, scroll down the bottom, put your email in, get 10% off, cheeky code. If you are not on that database, I would highly recommend that you get on that database ASAP. I don't know exactly how I am going to roll this out, but I do know this. I will take care of the people who have always taken care of me first. And what I mean by that is if you are a St. Jack OG, if you are behind the brush listener, if you are someone who has been clapping for me in the background this whole time, I want to give you first access to this product because I will be very honest with you and say that the initial run of this product, I have done as much as I can, but there's still limited quantities. So I want you to get that first access and I will be communicating that via email. So there's my little... There's my update for you with some tangible advice. So I think I think we're in a good spot. But anyway, none of that, none of anything of the last five minutes is why you have clicked onto this episode today. You're not here for me. You're here for Fernando. I have been <laughs> singing, there was something in the air that night, that Fernando Abba song all day because guys, I got to speak to Fernando Hervas today. He has been in the makeup industry for over 12 years. He is the celebrity makeup artist of the Gold Coast and beyond. He got his start in retail. Ding, ding, ding. His piece of advice is to get your start in retail. And then he built his freelance profile by working with influencers and other high profile ladies. He is now one of the most sought after event artists in the sunny state. In fact, we had booked this interview in for today. And then yesterday he got a super big job that he had to do this morning before the interview. Like people want him. He's in demand. I want him. I want him to do my face. (laughs) He often collaborates with the Veronicas, a.k.a. the founding fathers of the Australian National Anthem. And has recently painted the faces of Abby Chatfield, Olivia Molly Rogers, and Kira Maguire, to name a few. This chat was really fun. We, you know, we took it off book a little bit, guys. Like, you know me, I'm always prepared. I got my questions, I got my research, but you know what? I jumped on this chat. We were both in great moods and we just vibed. There's so many great stories in there. I'm not going to spoil them. Also, some really beautiful advice for boys in beauty and making sure you never let anyone dim your light. So... That's absolutely enough from me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Fernando Hervas. Fernando, welcome to Behind the Brush. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. 
I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being on the show. My understanding is you were doing a big job this morning. What were you working on this morning? So I don't know if you've heard of the label Bridget and Bianca, I believe it is. Yes, I have actually. (laughs) So yeah, they're up here on the Gold Coast currently doing a big launch and a launch party. So whole Versace star by Bloom hit me up yesterday asking to work my magic on some talent that are getting flown in. So yeah, it was very exciting. And it was an opportunity not to be missed. And I also got to work with the amazing Natalie Ann Hare, which she's all, she's been such a big icon in hair for so long. And I've just been so inspired. It was just amazing. It was very, very, very cool. That's so cool. I can't believe how quickly you can just mobilize into like two nights ago, you were going to sleep thinking, I'm just going to be chill on Wednesday. I'm just going to do this recording. And then next minute, <laughs> yeah. it's like style by Blooms on the phone. He's like, come on, you've got to get down yeah. here. I know. I know. It's so cool. But you know what? Yeah, but you know what? I think especially in this industry after so long, we work smarter and that's what makes me happy. What do you, what do you mean by that? How do you work smarter? So obviously, you, I guess you, you get to a point that obviously you can choose jobs that you want to do. I am, I am such a yes man for so long, but I think over the years I've, re- I've realized that I've got to put myself first as well. It's, this industry is so cutthroat and it's very fast paced and, and we've got to do so much hustling where I've, 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 I've got to, Take a step back. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just, I just want more time for me. And I think that's the most important part. I totally agree with that. I, I mean, work smarter, not harder. For me, that's like boundaries, you know, that yeah. you can say, yes, I could do that job. But sometimes even I got to think about it now. And I'm like, oh, do I really, like, do I really <laughs> have to do that particular job? So I completely agree. But For the sake of the audience, just in case they don't know your story, I would love to run through just the early days to get, you know, kind of get everyone up to speed and talk a bit more about how you got into the industry before we crack into the really good stuff. So the first question I ask all of my guests is, Fern, what did you want to be when you grew up? All right. So there was two things I wanted to become when I was in school. One was a vet. So I have a massive passion for animals, felines. So, yeah, definitely wanted to go down that veterinary science route. I think the whole part of it scared me towards the end was, you know, not it's all not fun and games. It's, all, it's not all puppies and kittens. It actually was like mm. surgeries, really hectic stuff, which I'm, I've got quite a weak, weak stomach, so that didn't really, you know. Oh, oh, like in that respect, I was thinking like it would be really heavy because animals die and that's like the saddest thing that happens. Well, that's (laughs) true. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think just that whole part of it, because literally you're like a doctor and you're trying to save these animals from anything. And I'm so weak at the knees. So I just thought, yeah, not for me. But, you know, I've got a fur baby and I'm obsessed with her. So, yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, so I was going down that route at school. Plus, I was a dancer as well at a very young age, and I literally fell into dancing quite young. I loved it. I've always loved performing. I always say that I came out of my mum dancing because <laughs> I, I was such a big mover when I was little. So, yeah, so definitely uh, being a dancer was definitely a, the next route. So I did that, you know, into my early teens, into my early 20s. Yeah, and literally wanted to kick, you know, kick ass in dancing. Like, wanted to move overseas wanted to be like a Britney dancer or a Christina Aguilera dancer or like a backup dancer, like getting into that. But yeah, had a very small ankle injury and that kind of shifted very quickly. 
It's so crazy how I think about this even with sports people all the time who are at the top of their game. It's like one bad game, you hurt yourself, and it's all over. That's so sad to me, the saddest thing. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. So you were a dancer. I mean, obviously you were doing dance while you were at school, like high school and stuff like that, and then you progressed, and that was actually your career straight out of high school, right? So straight out of high school, did full-time dance, did a lot of Estedfords, did a lot of like, you know, concerts and shows and you know same thing like could have went down the route of moving to LA working on cruise ships things like that but I think just the traveling I think back then I was quite young still so it's quite scary to do it on your own so yeah so you know hitting my nine you know hitting my 19 year old self I met my partner and yeah like I think you know when you do meet someone it's almost like oh I don't want to leave now like I've met someone so, yeah, so that kind of really just, you know, put a, did a hurdle in it. But I thought, you know, I had my, my, my time in dancing. I feel like I had it. It was done. But obviously I still do it casually a little bit. But, yeah, and then obviously being in that industry of dance, being surrounded by beauty and fashion and, you know, glamour, really I've always been captivated by, by makeup. I was very good at drawing when I was in school. So I always had really good art, like, you know, art performance results. So, yeah, so I think that's all kind of entwined, hence where I am now. So dancing was like your gateway drug into the beauty world. I think so, absolutely. And I feel like, yeah, that was, yeah, even though like at a very young age, I used to be very, I used to watch my mum, like she would never step out of the house without a full face of makeup. So I used to watch her put her red lipstick on perfectly, her blush, her her bronzer and her eye colours. And I was like, wow, mum takes so much pride. Like that must take so much time. But, you know, that was her and it was so beautiful because at any age, women can feel so confident wearing minimal or as, as much makeup as they as they do um so as a young kid that was like wow that's so not that's so cool to see and um yeah I think that kind of just you know I don't know like I felt like it just was like another option like another you know route to go through yeah for sure were you while you were doing dancing were you in any kind of situations in your work where you needed to be doing makeup or anything like that like did you start picking up brushes while you were doing the dancing like I'm keen to know how the transition happened (laughs) well a little bit like obviously a lot of the girls obviously like you know you I would help all the girls put their lashes on do a liner on them what you were doing people's lashes when you were the boy dancer oh my god that's like the dream (laughs) yeah I remember like you know the other stage mums be like Fernando help help because obviously I do wear much makeup at all and I still don't wear any makeup anyway but yeah I just love I just love getting the girls ready and stuff so yeah so I've always been around it like obviously there was times that ourselves had to put makeup on like us boys so you know we'd put a bit of blush and bronzer on some fake moustaches at the time for like certain looks and things which was funny but yeah pretty funny I wish I did makeup in school. And imagine all, imagine the killing oh of your formal day. Oh my god! <laughs> don't we all? Wait. So ha- hang on. Like, how did you know how to put lashes on somebody else? Like, there there are people, and I'm like talking about more like regular beauty wearers, like makeup wearers, like yeah. not artists. There are people who like cannot, for the life of them, put lashes on themselves. But you're a boy who hasn't done makeup before, and you're putting lashes on people at dance. I think I just winged it. I think I may have just seen a video of something back in the day. This is obviously long before YouTube and everything. And I, I kind of thought to myself, hey, it can't be that hard. Like the strip looks like a lash. It kind of goes where the lash line looks at where it should go. If it's too long, you trim it. Like I just, I thought my, you know, my telekinesis or my, just my thought pattern, <laughs> well, okay, that's how it should go. I knew not to put too much lash glue because I'm thinking, 
I wouldn't want lash glue on my eyes, so why would I do it on them? So just little things that I picked up that I kind of just, you know, just put into full throttle. And, yeah, I was like the go-to for, like, lashes, you know, lining girls' lips. So, yeah, so it was pretty surreal. Oh, my God. I wish I had you around when I was in high school and I was discovering fake lashes for the first time. I remember the first time I ever wore them. I was going to an 18th and I went to a Mac and I bought like the $22 lashes or whatever and then they put them on me. And you should have seen me. I was like walking around like I'm the biggest baddie in the world with these lashes. Oh, my God. And it's like if I could have had that all the time, my life would have been very different. I know. (laughs) And these lashes, lashes, like, you know, back then were so much different. They were big. They were like, you know, stage lashes. They were huge. Uh, that particular example I just gave you, I look deeply unwell and I have the photo. Yeah. I'll, put it, I'll put it up on the St. Jack story actually when this podcast oh goes God. live because it's pretty funny. But so it's, I love I love going deep into the vault just to give people the plot. You know, it's all for the plot. I know. So I how know. did you move out? So you had the ankle injury obviously so you weren't going to get going with that no, so, so that was yeah, that was on a holiday in spain with my fa- with my family after high school after like year 12 so we went overseas for a couple of months i fell down some stairs like i tr- tumbled kind of yeah i inflamed like you know tore a ligament or a tendon oh nothing God. really got cured properly i recently have just done it again but anyway that's another story did you fall <laughs> down the stairs again or no actually, <laughs> just a little bit of a, a silly dance move but anyway oh, yes oh no. <laughs> bit of a twist but anyway so then that kind of just you know kind of thought okay well can't really do dance anymore for a while so what I'm going to do so you know I went I just went into like a retail job full-time work I didn't do anything too crazy I used to be like a gold class cinema supervisor which was one which was amazing I loved it movies theaters they were so fun and then yeah and then I got an opportunity with Napoleon First of all, we love a friend who works in the cinema because I used to enjoy 50 cent tickets. Yes. Um, I love that. The candy bar was my favorite. The candy bar is still <laughs> my favorite. Um, I know. We won't talk and, about that right now. <laughs> I know. And I may or may or not have done, I think we used to call it double double. So when you're making popcorn, it was like back then it was like one scoop of the butter or one scoop of the sugar. Or the uh, the uh, the salt, and I used to do double butter, double salt, and like the popcorn would come out so fluoro yellow. Okay. It was so bad, but it tasted good. So my like candy bar side was fluoro yellow. So <laughs> everyone would come and get it, and then the manager would be like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Nah, people are loving it." <laughs> That's how they do it in America, baby. It's true. So how did you go from the cinema to Napoleon? Was it something you were actively looking to do to kind of No, not at all. Beauty? Not at all. Like that's the thing. I've always loved beauty but never thought I would go down that route. So I went to a Napoleon Purtis event here on the Gold Coast. They had a ambassador by the name of Melissa George, who I'm not sure if you're aware. No, the actress? She used to be a, the actress. Yeah. like Angel on Home and Away, which I was a yep. massive, massive fan on. It, you know, anyway, she was here to open the, this store on the Gold Coast. I was, I was like, I was advised from a friend, like, oh my God, you have to go meet Melissa. Like, this is your opportunity. Just as a fangirl, nothing, nothing to do with Napoleon at all. And then, yeah, literally met her, had the best night of my life. It was so, she was so beautiful. Napoleon himself was there. I met him and yeah, went, got offered a job with them like three days later as they were wanting more guys to join the industry. Right. They obviously saw there was something in me. I did mention I had no makeup, real proper training. They're like, no worries, we'll, you know, we'll train you. <laughs> oh, my God. 
So, but you know, obviously, because I have had that beauty background, I've had a little bit of that stage presence with dancing and being around it. I feel like I picked it up a lot. I know, I, I just picked it up. It's very hard. You can teach people makeup, but if it comes from within, it's just so much more organic. Yeah, I do definitely feel that there's only so much you can teach and there's probably like this extra stretch that's either you understand it and it's within you or you don't. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure that there are plenty of people who could operate perfectly on the, I've been trained to do this so I can do it. But I did hear someone and I can't remember who said it, but this was years ago. I read it on someone's Instagram and it stuck with me the whole time. It's like, you're either a makeup artist or you're a makeup putter on or off. Yeah, true. You know I mean? and, I'm, there's a difference. and I'm the artist. I don't put her on on any on. Like I don't, mm. put, I can't put the shit on me for. Like I can try to do a cut crease on me, but I just don't think it would work. Where yeah. I just love the canvas. So yeah, it's very. I, I think that's a very cool quote because it's very true. I truly wish I could remember who said it because I remember at the time reading it and being like, oh, fuck, I might be a putter on or right now. Like I need to, I need to sort my shit out, but it really stuck with me. And I would definitely agree. I mean, I see that coming through your work. So you're working for Napoleon, you're working in retail, they're training you up. So are you starting to do makeup in store? Yeah, literally I was doing like, I, I do remember my very first smoky eye appointment, which probably wasn't as good as it may have should have been because I was like, oh, okay, smoky eye, probably a bit of black pencil, smudge it in, let's go for it. And, yeah, they may or may not have that little bit of a pander eye look. But, hey, the girl loved it. You know, the manager at the time, she may have tweaked it here and there. But I was like, she was like, damn, you're, that's not bad. And you've had no training. I said, no. Yeah, worked for Napoleon for five years, had great training with them, continued doing, like, you know, little diploma certificates with them, certificate courses. It kind of really just helped me, you know, succeed but you know what working in that first retail environment was so good mm-hmm. like I still can't say it enough like working as a makeup artist in a store is your best experience you can ever have yeah I, it is actually something that I first heard Priscilla Ono say it because I did a course with her years and years ago and she said I got a job at Sephora and that changed my life was working with different faces who were coming into the store and you couldn't control it every day and I've heard so many artists say it on this show as well that I hope it's starting to get through to anyone who might be listening who's thinking about a career in it it could be tempting to just say I'm going to be a freelancer and work for myself but the richness of the experience in store sounds amazing yeah no, it was. And like, obviously, I, I, you know, it was just so amazing because you literally work on every age, every skin tone, every ethnicity, and you learn about textures, skin. Like, yeah, it was really great. Like, I can't, yeah, I can't praise it enough. Yeah. And so you worked there for quite a few years and then you worked at Mac. Is that right? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, a lot of transitioning with a lot of the people I was working with moved to Mac. Mac was then starting to really come big in Australia. There was only like maybe one store in Brisbane at the time. It was quite new. Obviously, we've all heard about Mac. Mac's always been, you know, they've been around for yacht donkeys here, like so long. And we've always thought of Mac as like a really high grade makeup artistry product back then obviously I was still scared I was like oh my god like you know that's why would you know why would they pick me like you know but you know I won them over I was with them for about nine years wow so when did you stop working at Mac so probably now oh gosh I think it's probably like I think it's probably like six years ago wow yeah I reckon six years so what did that look like six years ago you were working at Mac and then you decide I'd 
don't want to work in store anymore. I want to go out and do my own thing. What was driving that decision? Driving the decision that you'd get when you couldn't book people in, they would ask you to come to their hotel room after work to do their makeup. And they were like, we'll pay you cash or we'll pay you whatever. Like, can you please do it? And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'm like, I guess. They're really good. They were happy with you freelancing. Obviously, they they didn't want you to, you know, cancel or, you know, change shifts around for it. But, yeah, they were so good with it. So, yeah, most Friday afternoons, Saturdays, I'd finish work at Mac. Then, you know, I'd I'd keep my kid in my car, go to the hotel room, you know, do a tooth do three girls' makeups while they were going out because obviously getting makeup going out was really popular back then and it still is, but back then it was, you know, it was a thing. And then, yeah, and then next morning back at Mac again, same thing. That Saturday afternoon I'd be on the road at a hotel and stuff and it just be- it became something. Like it was actually happening to a lot of us in the store and we're like, wow, like we're actually almost doubling our income with just a little bit of side hustling. Where were those clients coming from? They were just coming in store. Like, obviously, my last stint at Mac, I was working at Mac. I was working at the Pro Store in James Street in, in Brisbane. So it was, like, really high traffic. We were in a beautiful area of Brisbane in the Valley. And so you'd get, that, you'd get a really a beautiful clientele base. And, yeah, they were happy to spend. And they were happy for you to come, you know, come to the hotels and come to their homes. And, you know, you started giving your mobile out here. And, you know, I'd have, like, a little web website and pass that on. So it started becoming a word-of-mouth thing that people got to a point that they're like, oh, well, if people can come home and like, come to my home and get my makeup done, then I don't want to go away. Like I'd rather just get my makeup done at home and then go straight to the event rather than come in store, get their makeup done, then they've got to drive all the way home either in traffic and then get and either be late for an event or whatever. So, yeah, it started becoming like a really high thing. And I, I think I feel like that was, yeah, probably about you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember even, again, this is me telling like old wives tales of my own life, but I remember going to get my makeup done again around 18, 19, because it was, it was a thing you'd get it done when you were going out. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, it's so annoying to have to drive half an hour each way, pay yeah. for parking, do this, do that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah, redeeming product is cool, but have you ever had your makeup done in your own house? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like you, there'd be, there'd be girls, a lot of clients that would regularly get their redeemable products. Like, constantly they're getting makeup done and they probably got to a point they're like we don't need all these products we just want to pay to get our makeup done so I think that's where the flip the switch turned for a lot of people they thought you know what we're still getting the service we don't need all that extra junk just sitting in our makeup closets they especially probably don't need it because they're getting their makeup done so often by the sounds of it so you quit mac six years ago feel like it ish let's just say yeah Ish. Six years ago, I feel like, I feel like time is really going very quickly. <laughs> it's going quickly and there was a whole two-year gap in the middle of it that we're just yes. not going to talk about. But That's true. So it was like six years ago, so I'm trying to do quick math. It's roughly 2016-ish. 2016-ish. That's the peak of, that's like the golden age of Instagram. Now, yes. I also know because I have been following you for a long time that your original Instagram got to- taken from you. Yeah. But let's put that aside for a let's moment, even aside. though we should have potentially a little warning in this chat somewhere about cybersecurity. But mm-hmm. did you start after you'd quit Mac and wanted to go freelance, did you start just going crazy on Instagram? Was that something that just came naturally or were you not quite there yet? 
No, like I remember when I was working at Mac, I did have an Instagram and I remember just posting maybe we were able to take photos of girls in the chair at Mac, obviously just little formal girls and brides, even some brides were getting their makeup done at Mac. So we were taking photos of them. I was posting them. Then I started becoming a bit more creative. So I started just doing some creative shoots with like some local photographers. But yeah, it was all just like networking. And it got to a point that I'm thinking, yeah, like you said, you don't want to keep working in retail. Like it was... Not so much draining, but it, I just felt like there was no potential. Like it just, you could, you could obviously grow in the end in the company, but unless you were a store manager or an events team artist, there was no, there's nowhere else to go. Mm, I feel like, and again, I haven't worked in a retail environment, but just based on my understanding of it, it's like you can work in store, you can be an artist in store, and then brands like Mac, for example, have you know key artists and senior artists that work for the brand, like Nicole Thompson or Pinky used to be, right? And then you've got that, but then it's like beyond that, where do you go? Like there is going to be a ceiling there. So I suppose you're kind of running your Instagram. Like what were those first months or even years like being a freelancer? Like was it hard? Did it just kind of come naturally? Like It was definitely so hard. Like, you know, I know there's a, there was a couple of us that kind of sprouted into the freelance route. So, you know, I joined forces with a couple, you know, we'd work in a, in a, in a hair salon together you know, would share clients because obviously people, you know, you just, yeah, just kind of started like getting clients here, clients there, posting photos. Like obviously photos was such a big thing. But yeah, like I just, I just feel like we just got to a point. They thought, you know what, let's, we can make a full-time living out of this. And I think that's what none of us really thought at the time when you're working in retail, because obviously you wanted your solid wage every week. You wanted your permanent hours that you knew that you could live on. But when it started, when the tables turned, that I was, you know, getting booked for weddings and getting booked for photo shoots, and I was getting paid more than what I was doing pretty much in retail. That's when I thought, wow, I'm going to just keep doing this. Like, mm. I think working for yourself, it's very scary, but at the same time, is you know, it's very rewarding at the same time. Yeah, definitely. What do you think were the key aspects at that time that really set you apart? Because there are lots and lots of freelancers out there who also have to have kind of other jobs to supplement the income because, you know, they're not quite there yet where, you know, they can make a full-time living out of it. So obviously at that time you were making it work. And so I'm just really curious for you, like, is there something that stands out for you of like, I was doing lots of this at the time and that helped me stand out? Like, was it something you were doing follow-up with clients or something yeah. like that? You know what I, mean? I guess obviously like influencers obviously really played a really huge role, I guess, with the start of my career. So I think, you know, you know, that's like, that's now what, four or five years, five years ago, influencers were the shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> they would, you know, you know, they would still offer to pay, but if, if it was a quite a big influencer, you're happy to do their makeup for free. You're happy to collab on tags, on shares, on stories. Your following go up because obviously that's mm-hmm. where I feel like a lot of us, you know, if you work on really high top models and high top celebs, influencers, that's where your following really grows. You can still grow it organically through, well, I don't think you can now. It's very difficult. It it's is. So it's difficult. A, you know what? And let's just preface that by saying like this is kind of more of a history lesson because the way Instagram works today compared to six years ago is so different and we all know that. But that that's really interesting. I have heard this before that, you know, working with certain like high profile people kind of propelled the following up and then people kind of equate or they used to equate following with 
worth. Like, oh, he's got lots of followers. He must be good. I'll book him. Or he's doing makeup for her, so he's good. I'll book him. And that kind of works. So were you, like, DMing these people? Or a little bit. It- and then I'd yeah. be getting DMing from them. So, yeah, yeah it was a bit of, bit of both. And I was just really active. And I think that's the thing. I was really active on Instagram, really active in stories. I'm not scared to show people who I am behind, you know, behind the brush. So... <laughs> That's the Did first time that? that's ever happened. Yes, <laughs> and it was so natural as well. It was. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I'm not. A, I'm. A, I am a bit of a show pony. Like I don't mind being in front of the camera. So I think people love that. You know, Fernando. He's a makeup artist, but he's got a personality. He's got character. He's got. You know, he's got something to offer. And I, that's the thing. Like, I'd rather be at a job and you know be really myself and not have to be like someone different. That's the thing. And that's why I've really I've always been true to myself. And I feel like that's what people either really love working with me because, yeah, like I, I bring so much good vibes all the time. You know, I've been on jobs where either the other artist or a hair artist is really not having a good day and that's not it's that's not me. Like I, don't, I feel like you should leave that at home. I think it's like you said, like I was really active. Influencers really helped me get that, you know, work. And, yeah, like you said, back then it was like, oh, my God, if that person's using this person, if that person's using that, if they're wearing this, I need to buy that. So it's kind of, it was very, yeah. It was a very pitiful moment of, wow, like, this is now going to another level, which I never thought it could have. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. I think that similar things are starting to happen with TikTok, but TikTok is more global in a sense. So, like, you could upload a makeup video and that could get people who like makeup from all over the world watching it rather than Instagram, you could geotag it and then it would be people in your area would see it and it works a little bit differently. But hopefully TikTok will kind of take off in that direction where we can use it again to kind of grow our own businesses as artists. Like for brands, it's amazing. For artists, I'm not so sure at the moment beyond just like views. Like, I don't know, but that's okay. I, I'm like, that's okay. They're there. Instagram will, <laughs> Instagram will bounce back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, even recently, so like I always do a full-blown scroll of Instagram. You know what? Let's just address it now. I always do a full-blown scroll of Instagram every time I have someone on the show. Like I go all the way back down to the bottom. It was probably towards the end of last year or the beginning of this year that you got kicked out of your Instagram account. Yes. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so it was November, uh, October last year. I believe it actually was my mum's birthday, which was really creepy. So it's been a year to year yesterday. Oh um, my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, it was a whatever night it was. It was about seven p.m. I did a five o'clock post as I usually kind of did, or I still kind of do five o'clock. Get replied back into replying to comments, and um, yeah, it was about seven seven thirty. I went to log. I went to go back onto my home screen, and all of a sudden, my whole Instagram went grey. Like the whole page just went grey, and it logged me out. And I was like, mm, "Okay, what the hell?" So then I tried to log in with my details, log in password. It kept saying that it's sending a, a number. Like you know how it says you can send a code to your phone number, yeah, like a verification sorry, code. Yeah, it says sorry, no, no phone recognized. And I was like, what is this? And then I went to my partner's phone, opened it up on his phone, and he goes, look, your name is still there, but your posts are gone. But yeah, so your your name's still there, your picture, your profile picture's still there, your followers are still there, but there was no grid, which I was like, okay, what's going on? 
kept refreshing, kept refreshing. I couldn't log in for the sake of me. I went onto my laptop, couldn't log on. I was having this, I was having a bit of a heart murmur at this time because mm. I thought, okay, this is serious. And then probably about four minutes later, got a WhatsApp message from some random number saying, hi, Fernando, I've just been scrolling social media and I've just noticed that your Instagram has been deactivated. Do you want, do you want me to help you get it back? And it was just from this random number. And I was like, excuse me? So I, I wrote back and I was like, sorry, how, how do you know this? And he goes, oh, I'm an internet, I'm a, oh, what was it? He was like, I'm a social media traveler or something. I've just noticed your Instagram has just been deactivated. And then he sent me a screenshot of his laptop and he had like 50 Instagram pages opened. Mine was one and my page was fully disabled. And then I was like, wait a minute. And then not, not long after, I actually realized that he was the hacker of the account, of my account. Mm. So he was holding my account ransom. I then contacted Instagram, contacted Facebook. I just couldn't get anywhere with them. I had friends text messaging me saying, have you blocked me on Instagram because I can't find you? I was like, no, babe, I think I've just been hacked. They're like, oh, shit. My partner was, bes- we were both just freaking out. We're like, oh, my God, what is gone? What's happened? Yeah. I just let that, I just, I don't know. Then I contacted a, a lady. She also messaged me. She realized that I was, I was, I was, you know, inactive. She's working software. She got a guy to help me. We were on a, on our, on his, on, we we're on like Zoom calls at like midnight trying to get my page back. He went into like back office, back office of Facebook. So there's people that do a lot of Facebook ads. So he was going into like Facebook. He goes, Look, your page is still there, but it's been disconnected from your Facebook. Your mobile's been oh disconnected. God. He's like, have you had like someone trying to be you? And I said, well, I think someone is trying to be me. So, but that's why they've disconnected me. I'm pretty sure I had my two veri- my two factor verification on, which was very bizarre. I still don't know how they got in, but they did. And yeah, so that night I was a mess. My page had mm. been gone. I think it was the next day, the next morning. I got a, a phone call. I think that night actually at two a.m. in the morning from Facebook, I believe in Russia. It was really weird. He was like, no, you can't have your page back. I said, pardon? He's like, you've been, you're, you violated guidelines. You've been trying to impersonate someone. I'm like, I pardon? Like, what do you mean? This is my makeup page. This, this is me. Like you're speaking to me. He literally just gave me the cold shoulder and just said, no, you're not getting it back. And this was someone from Facebook alone. And I was like, no, no, I'm so effing appealing this. So days and days went by. I kept emailing Instagram, emailing Facebook, getting people to help me. It just become it was just long drawn out process. So for about two weeks, I had no social media presence. Mm. But hey, it was refreshing in a sense. <laughs> it was kind of cool. No, I don't know. It was it was such a weird feeling. Sure, it felt like something died, which is that's what it felt like. So I was a little bit in mourning about it. And then, yeah, then I kind of came to realization. I was like, okay, I'm not getting my page back. What do I have to do? I literally was just going to give Instagram a flick. I thought, no, nah, I'm done. I've grown my page. I can't do this again. This is not going to help. Like, yeah, it really made you feel like worthless after all the years of content and work that you put in, how someone can just take that from you. But then not only me, I was finding this out that a lot of people, it was happening to a lot of people as well. So 
you know, there was a girl in Adelaide that got her page hacked. There was a girl in Melbourne. Like, there was all these makeup artists. I'm like, why are they targeting makeup artists? This is so bizarre. So then, yeah, I kind of, like, tried to reach back to this guy on WhatsApp. He never really came through with the goods. He was like, nah, he was just wanting me to transfer him money in crypto to get my page back. Like, so, yeah, it was so, it was so effed up. So, yeah, so two weeks I was inactive and then someone said, babe, you just have to do a backup account. Just, just so it's there, just so people know that you're alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> because that's a thing. People thought I had just gone, which was so weird. So weird. It is weird how how part of the fabric of who we are, like we let these accounts be. Like I remember that happening to you so vividly. I can't believe it was like a year ago today-ish. But it was just awful. And I have seen it happen to other people, but I've seen their accounts get recovered. I suppose though, having come back the other end of it I think you got hacked at like what was it like 28k or something and now you're just under 20 like you've done a pretty good job building it back I have and that's with a lot of help as well like obviously I think I did lean on my influences and all my you know people of of, you know of of status to help me you know get that my page recognized again so yeah I grew to like three or 4k probably in about four three days four days which was pretty good. And then I did a really cool reel to kind of, you know, do my first one back. And then, yeah, then it kind of just helped. It got, you know, it was starting to go up and down a little bit as they do. And then I joined some influencer giveaways. So they're the ones that you become sponsors. You do pay money towards it, but you are guaranteed real followers, which you do. Some of them go, some of them stay. So, yeah, so I did two of them. And then, yeah, so, I, you know, it's slowly getting there. Um, I have realized after all this Thing, it's not about the follower number that you have so I feel like as much as we all want the massive following number just to sit there like every time you hit like a milestone it's like yay thanks for 10k or yay I'm on 15 now I'm like no like I can't let a number dictate dictate me dictate my worth dictate my you know my caliber in this industry like so yeah it's been a bit of a mind but yeah we've just had to come to the other we've just had to come through it and then yeah Well, good on you. I feel like even there's a lesson in that to say, okay, I had been pretty obsessed with my Instagram. I was absolutely devastated when I lost it. Like, don't get me wrong. I would be devastated if I lost my personal Instagram and I've got like 500 followers. It's not a big deal. Like I get it. But like to kind of come out the other end and be like, that didn't tell me that I was a good makeup artist or not. My follower numbers don't really matter. And I mean, I guess everyone stay vigilant, man. Like change your password every so often, do all the things. Like I always say I'm going to do it and I always forget I'm really bad with security. I'm definitely going to be changing my password before this podcast goes live. I know. It's just just nuts because it's like it can just change overnight or just change within a second. Interrupting this episode of Me Talking with more of Me Talking. It's Beth, the founder of St. Jack, and I just wanted to quickly remind you that the Makeup Cleaning Mist is a must-have for your professional artistry kit. Made with the highest quality alcohol so it absorbs quickly and smells so good, the mist kills the bacteria on the surface of all of your products like your eyeshadow palettes, bronzers, blushes, everything. So everything can stay nice and clean between clients. Proudly Australian-made, Get your hands on the mist online at www.stjack.com.au and use code BRUSH15 to join the hundreds of other artists like Tennille J, Penny Antoine and Jack Kale who always have the mist by their side. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Over the last few years, I mean, you were doing influencers kind of to get your like, you know, your following up, but like also yep. to get more bookings and things like that. But over the last few years, like even just recently in the last year, since you've had your account back and what I have been able to see, you've been doing makeup for like Abby Chatfield, the Veronica's, like DJ Tiger Lily. And, you know, you're doing a lot of really high profile people. And I'm just really curious. I always, I mean, you mentioned to me that you love celebrity. I love celebrity. I'm the kind of person who gets starstruck when I see bloody Scotty Cam from the block. So yeah. I don't know how I would yeah. cope with seeing Queen Abby Chatfield in the flesh. I know. I know. Do you approach those jobs any differently to how you would if it was just like a normie off the street? <laughs> you know what? And they, and they are still normies off the street. And that's the thing. And I, you know, but I'm the same. Like I fangirl so hard. But, you know, you keep it real. And at the end of the day, they're real people. So you just listen to what they want. I don't know. I guess I've had to learn over the years that, you know, they are at this status for a reason, but they've worked hard to get there. But, yeah, they're just like real people. But, yeah, I still get nervous. I still get, like, nervous wheeze or whatever if I have to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We keep it real. We keep it real. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that really stands out to you as like a, oh, my God, pinch me moment where because of like your client was a celebrity or something like that, that you got Mm -hmm. to do something really cool or go somewhere really cool? Like there's been so many moments like, you know, for instance, like, you know, I did the Veronica's concert a couple, you know, a little while ago and that was amazing because we're backstage, we're, you know, in the dressing room and that's all fun because you see the girls get so excited and then like, you know, Celeste Barber is backstage as well waiting to meet them and I'm like, Oh my god, this is crazy because I'm part of the Veronica's group, like the, the tour glam squad. Celeste Barber is there to meet the Veronica's, and I'm like, so you do see all these moments. They're like, if you weren't there, you can't tell people that those things, and like, mm. you know, and like, you know, DJ Tiger Lily will backstage at one of her shows, and you know, we I walked on stage with her, like I walked to the stage with her, like it's pretty cool, like it's, and I feel like I've always liked that life, like you know, you see, you know, some, you know, Britney's. Britney Spears' makeup artist back in the day and Beyonce is like you see and Kim Kardashian with Mario like you always see them following them when they're off to Mm. an appearance so I think it's cool to see that you're a part of that and I've always liked that I don't know if I could cope that level of lifestyle that they do have as in like the celebrity or the Mario yeah absolutely like I feel like you know they get hounded so much so crazy yeah it's it's so so crazy but you're right I can picture like Chris Appleton and Mario like walking behind Kim like when she's like doing the Dolce & Gabbana although I think makeup by Ariel did that but anyway I don't know when it comes to doing celebrity stuff so like let's say for example the Veronica's show right Mm -hmm. they would obviously know what they're wearing because it's their tour like they would have like outfits and stuff prepared by like stylists and things like that and I think you know events like fashion week or the Met Gala or tours or something like that it's like the whole thing has to be cohesive, the hair, even down to the nails, the outfit, the shoes, the the makeup, obviously. Is there like a different level of collaboration that comes with those sorts of jobs? And how does, like, what does that look like? Because I've never done anything like that where I'm collaborating with like multiple people beyond like working with a hairstylist at a wedding, but it's not quite the same thing as being like, okay, like even Delta Goodrum at the AFL grand final with like the pink with the Robbie Williams, like her hair and makeup, Glam Squad would have had to have known the brief. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. What does that look like? Yeah, so pretty much like obviously the girls, I'm, I've known the Veronicas for years, so obviously the girls trusted whatever look I wanted to do on them. But then I just like, you know, I just 
made sure what I just asked the hairstylist what hair we're doing. I asked their manager, yep, so the girls are thinking of this type of look. And they were very, very cruisy. They're probably one of the most cruisiest girls in the industry when it comes to just, you know, doing, you know, whatever a glam we want on them. Obviously, it's stage. So I had to amp up, 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 amp up you know, the AMT of extra bronze, extra highlight, make the eyes more defined, make lashes a bit bigger. So obviously, yeah, I'm pretty good at the eye of seeing. And I always ask people, I still ask people, what colour jewellery are you wearing? What colour shoes are you wearing? Because you want everything to be seamless. But yeah, sometimes when you're on, like, for that stage appearance, you can go a bit extra and it doesn't matter. I live for extra. I, I live know. for extra. Like, I've got girls coming in on Saturday and they're going to a festival in Melbourne. And so they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll pick my outfit on the day. And it's just exciting sometimes to have, like, the opportunity to do something that's not, like, the classic, like, bridal, soft, glowy, bronzy, whatever. But we love that too. It's just sometimes fun do. to yes. play. But we'll switch gears for a second because it would be absolutely remiss of me not to mention Silk Oil of Morocco. So... You are obviously very talented. You're very sought after. And then you are, I imagine, approached by Silk Oil of Morocco or that collaboration somehow happens and you end up with a makeup line under your name, which launched last year. So tell us about this because I'm sure a lot of people listening use the product. Yes, everyone. Yeah, so (laughs) this actually happened just before COVID, the pandemic that we all gracefully went through that we all <laughs> don't talk about <laughs> no so, so i was approached by the owner to go into this warehouse or head office she had seen a post that i did for a for one of their products as in their men's range i collabed with them on a men's range it was a photo of me holding up oh, some styling gel like a sponsored post yeah you it was like a sponsored, sponsored post. post i did that yeah. and the owner must have seen it the next day in, in when she was at work she was oh my god who's that guy and you know, the head of marketing was like, oh, that's Fernando. He's a local makeup artist. But yeah, we've just got him using that. And he, she's like, what? He's, her name is Fernando. And what? He's a makeup artist. And what? And so all these things were ticking. Obviously, alarm bells were going off in her mind thinking, wow, that, why don't we do something with alarm him? Alarm bells or cash register sounds? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Both. So yeah, so I had an, uh, an email from their marketing saying, hi, Shirley, the owner of Circle of Morocco would love to meet up with you we have a proposition for you. We have an idea. And I was like, okay, very weird. Okay. Like, yep. I'm just going to go in. So I went in there. She had a whole board. There was a whole, it was a board meeting. She had all these posters up, all these like flat lays of ideas. So I've walked into this like, wow, like my name's plastered everywhere. What's this? Oh my God. Yeah. And then she's like, have you ever thought about having a, your own makeup line? And I was like, Yes, I remember working in Napoleon, remember putting my name on stickers on glitter tubs and stuff. Like, you know, I used to write my name. I used to sign my signature on everything. I was obsessed. <laughs> obsessed with your own name. You've got a great name, though. You've got a beautiful name. Like, I've got a mm-hmm. very, like, when I go to Mecca, for example, and they say, oh, let me just look you up on the system, I say yeah. Beth Wilson, and they're like, oh, there's a good couple hundred of you. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. never mind. So every time now I'm just like, let me just give you my email address. Like, <laughs> Yeah, make it easier. You've got a name for it. You've got a name for it, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really like my name when I was younger, but anyway, that's another story. Oh. But I know people didn't like things different. People just are like. These days, no. though. These days, Everyone's it's cool. Into it. Everyone's cool. Yeah. So I went in there. She asked, yeah, she pretty much asked me, look, we're ha- we would love to do a makeup collaboration with you. 
we love your bronzy makeup looks that you do. We would love you if, you know, if you had any ideas of maybe like an eyeshadow palette or a lipstick, like, you know, it was very blase. It was very much like, you know, maybe a this or a this. And I was like, yeah, like I could absolutely do that. I think, you know, I feel like I could knock out this amazing eyeshadow palette that's good for everyone. And then I feel like, you know, oh, I love my nude lipsticks and nude glosses and like lip liners. So let's do maybe a couple of lip liners and lipsticks. So yeah, so literally it started with, you know, that. And then now it's gone to like another level of like, it's a bit crazy still. <laughs> it's such a beautiful range. Makeup artists everywhere love it. Makeup artists everywhere use it. How involved were you in, say, for example, so the first drop was like nude lipsticks, lip liners and glosses. So like a lip kit basically in like different shades of nude with different undertones. And then you've got the eyeshadow palette as well. How involved were you in creating that in terms of like the formula and like the colors and things like that? From everything. I literally, I had to put my hands in everything. And that's the thing. Shirley was so invested in me wanting it all under the, you know, Fernando tick of approval. So I sampled like, yeah, probably like 500 eye colors. I sampled, oh my God, like 50 million lipsticks. I, I wanted colors that were universal, that would suit everyone. I wanted an eye palette, which was universal. Obviously makeup art is amazing, but for the everyday woman as well. So, and that's the thing with their audience, they had a lot of, you know, they've got a big TVSN following. So we, they wanted products that were universal because sometimes like us, if we see products that are too professional or too, they look too scary to use, the people won't use it. So we just wanted to keep it super simple, but super luxe. Yeah. I mean, like, even for example, like I know some of my friends who like wear makeup, but don't like, don't work in the field or whatever. They'll look at even like a Morphe palette and be like, we don't know how the fuck to use that. And I'm like, yeah. you know what, sis, fair enough. Cause I probably use like five out of the 30 shades. So I get it. I get it. But yeah, you can tell like with everything that there was purpose there. So I'm interested now that you've kind of got that product line with them, is that something that you're looking to do more with? Because I know you did like a limited edition drop. Also just have to say you released this like really beautiful red and it was named after your mom, right? I know. Yes. So cute. I remember when you released that, I was like, that's such a beautiful nod like to your family heritage and like closing the the loop between like I used to watch my mum put her red that's it now you made yeah. it that's so yeah. nice so cute yeah no nah, she's yeah she's a, a a vivid red lip wearer so yeah we, we, we had to pay homage with her and you know I wanted that really beautiful blue base red that make your teeth really white still and yeah we obviously get different options of long wear of a lip stain and a lipstick but yeah, so that was pretty. That was pretty awesome, and that was my. That was actually my partner's idea. He'll tell you that because <laughs> you know he. You know he always. He's such a good ground. He's always, he's such a good. I always say like a soundboard for me. So if I've if I've got ideas, or even like when I post on Instagram, I'll be like, "Does this photo look any good?" No, that that angle doesn't look good on her. Let's change it. Like he's very good, and he's and he's not in the industry, but he's so good at knowing. Yeah. You know, because he sees what I do. But, yeah, so with my mum, I definitely feel like that was his idea, but then I put it into fruition. And, yeah, surely the owner of Silk Hill Morocco, goes, oh, my God, that's amazing. Let's do it. So, yeah, that was just, like, bang. So, yeah. I am obsessed with the voice that you're putting on when you're talking yeah. about Shirley. <laughs> she doesn't I really no sound like that. I have no idea what her like voice that. sounds like. She I have she's no actually idea. from England, so she actually has a Pommy accent. Oh, but, yeah, yeah I'm not good so at that. Funny. 
yeah, but yeah, she's like, no, yes. I'm not going to make you do it. Yes, no. let's yes. do it for let's mommy. That's it. Let's do it for mama. So, oh, yeah. fuck, I'm losing yeah. it. That's so good. So are you going to do more? Yes. I do believe there's more coming. Well, there is more coming, so I can't say I do believe. <laughs> and I do believe there's a photo shoot happening next week for something coming. Oh. So, yeah, that's my I little, see. that's my little, yeah, that's my little, that's my little scoop for you. Thank you. And this, this should be released at the end of the month. It's all I happened. do believe it will be released at the end yeah. of October. <laughs> Let's hope it happens. And it may or may not co- coincide with my birthday this month as well. So, Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I do yeah. believe I like the sounds of this. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe this may happen. I do believe. I'm very yeah. excited about it because the range is just so beautiful. Yeah. And that's the thing. It takes time. It takes time to sample. It takes time to get testers takes time to get packaging right. So, yeah, I'm not someone, like, even as much as people want things done quickly, like, Shirley's very great in knowing, like, she has so many amazing ideas, but I just said, okay, well, let's just tick all these ones off first before we even venture into that next one. But, yeah, I'll definitely believe I'll still be with the Silk of Oil of Morocco banner for quite a while, for a little while still, which I'm so pleased and I'm I'm excited. I own my name and my likeness for yeah. the rest of all time. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hey, man, I like that for yeah. you. I, it must be really yeah. nice to do that in collaboration because I know, like, even for me with St. Jack, it can be really hard, like, when you're doing it on your own. But also, like, I just amen to that. Like, it does – this stuff takes so much time. Like, people are getting so frustrated with me because I'm trying to release my next product by the end of the year. And they're like, you've been talking about it for so long. I'm like, the fact that I have even done it in less than 12 months – is like astonishing. I'm like, it's just for most people, they don't understand because it's like sample after sample after sample. And then once you're finally done with your sample, actually ordering it and putting even little eyeshadows inside the little box of the palette, it takes so long. Somebody has to do that. So it takes time, but it's good because you know that it's good quality. And I'm sure that everyone will be very excited for the release of that. But As we kind of come to a close of the interview, because I'm so grateful that you have given me this time today, especially after you've been working. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to ask you, oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you a question that's like a little bit more personal and I really hope that you don't mind me asking this, but the reason why. A couple of months ago, there was a makeup artist in Adelaide and he put on his stories that he had recently just got a job in retail. Like we were just talking about, he's gone down the path we were just recommending, right? And he said that he's been working really, really hard and he was in tears on his Instagram story because he had had two or three women, probably slightly older women, like maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to say what age (laughs) after I've said that they're older, but you know, like they're not Gen Z or whatever. Right. And they've gone into this store to like, maybe get a foundation shade or something like that. And he's gone to help them. And they've either give, they've either given him the, oh, you don't actually work here, do you? Or they've given him the, no, I'll wait for someone else. And he was like crying on his Instagram story because he was like, I work so fucking hard and I love my job and I'm good at my job and I'm just as good as my job as like any other person working in this store but he was being discriminated against because he was a boy in makeup so having been a part of the industry for so many years having worked in retail having been a freelancer like did you ever experience anything like that and if so like what advice would you give to this guy that I'm talking about or anyone else who might be listening I feel so bad that's terrible 
And I know. It broke my heart. I yeah, started crying. Oh, <laughs> sad. Absolutely. I got so ridiculed. I have been snobbed by. I've been told that I wasn't, I didn't know what I was talking about. And this was, this was a couple of times working in the retail environment from ladies and girls coming to the counter wanting to wait for another female to assist them. Yeah, and it does. It, it didn't hit me a couple of times. But funny enough, this quick story, I was working at Mac and these two South American ladies came in and I actually speak Spanish fluently as from my background from Spain. So they came in. They had their Spanish accent going on. I could tell they were Spanish. They didn't know anything about, they didn't know who I was. They didn't, they obviously saw that I worked there. They've come in, they're chatting in Spanish. And then I say to them, oh, hi ladies, like in English, can I help you? Like, is there anything? And they both looked at me up and down and they're like, no, we'll wait for the woman. And I'm like, pardon? And they're like, you don't know what, uh, what we need. And I was like, hmm. I can because I work here and they're like, no. And I was like, what the hell? Like, are you serious? And then they started bagging me in Spanish to each other. Oh, my God. Saying, what the hell does this, pretty much what the hell does this loser think he's talking about? As if anyone would buy makeup from him. God, men shouldn't be in this, men shouldn't be working in, a makeup shop and these girls weren't were not old they were quite young and I found that so offensive so I turned around and started speaking Spanish to them they oh literally God, give us a little give us a little bit of Spanish oh I was like so yeah so pretty much I said I know exactly what you, you guys want I'm a makeup artist and they flipped it and they both walked out they were so embarrassed <gasps> they were so embarrassed and I was like what a kick in the guts I had to stand up for myself because I thought I am not letting anyone walk all over me. So that was probably one, that was a really pivotal moment of like, you know, I guess I was lucky because I could, I actually could listen to what they were saying. And obviously, you know, they probably wouldn't have said it to me, to my face, they were bagging, but they didn't know I could understand them, which obviously really took them off guard. But yeah, I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah. And obviously with this guy, I could fully understand it that, you know, we feel, you feel like worthless you feel like you know we do know what we're on about we work hard for where we are and people i feel like there's still people in this there's people still probably that feel that this is a very female dominated industry which it is so us guys have to sometimes you know become close and really you know go for like you know boss mans like we just have to but yeah i definitely feel like you know we we are very much on the outer at times but we just have to stay in our own lane and you know you either and people gravitate you because and they're the people that you want to work with. They're the people that you want to surround yourself with. You're not going to make everyone happy, which I've learned. Yeah, so definitely, I got I copped that so much in retail, and it, yeah, it made me feel like I just wasn't worth it. And yeah, def- definitely came home, you know, complaining that wow, like am I in the right industry? Like this feels like it's a female orientated industry. So it was really tough and really hard to swallow. But yeah, you definitely come through it, and you just have to, you know, just believe in yourself. Such great advice, I feel like, for anyone really who feels like, I mean, I wouldn't call being a man a minority. No. <laughs> but I mean, like, who you are a minority in the beauty community. Yeah, absolutely. So it's great advice for anyone who feels like they're in some sort of minority or some sort of group that doesn't necessarily fit the conventional box of what our grandparents might expect a makeup artist to look like. It's like, stay true to yourself, push on anyway, fuck anyone who tells you any differently, and just 
keep going. I wish we could have said the F word a couple of times. Well, I mean, well, so this is my podcast, so I'll say whatever I want. Yeah, no, absolutely. But also, also, like, this is probably why I couldn't work in retail because I would just do it and that's no good. I'm not confrontational at all, but if someone had disrespected me in the way that you just described, like, we would have. Yeah, oh, I'm definitely not, yeah, (laughs) I definitely stand up for myself now. Back then, I'm surprised I even did that as well. But, yeah, it was really shocking. But, yeah, people can't get away with it because it's just disrespectful. It's rude. So, yeah, we are in 2022. We're not here like, for it. We're not yeah. here for it. We're not here for it at all. No. So the last thing I want to ask you, I suppose, is more about advice on a broader scale, just advice in general. If you have one piece of golden wisdom, if you were at a job and your client's teenage daughter said to you, Fern, I think I really want to be a makeup artist. What would you say to them if they, anyone at the beginning of their career ready to get started? Yeah, I would be, I'd absolutely say, perfect. Go into a workout, go into a retail environment get some experience working in retail, get experience working with, like I said, different skin, ethnicity. But, yeah, it is it is hard because people can see how well we can do as a freelancer rather than having to go to, through the retail sector first. But that was by far the most amazing experience you can have because then you don't have to be in there forever. It, you can literally do it for six or 12 months just to get that little bit of grounding Customer service is so important. You've got to listen to people. Even though we can say what we think, what people could wear or what the colours they like, you have to listen and that's the whole part of this industry. So if you're not a big communicator, I don't think this industry is for you. If you're not a good listener, I don't think this industry is good for you. You don't have to be the best makeup artist. You don't have to be the worst either. You just have to be used, find a makeup style that you like. I guess when we all start, we we try every single style to be up there. But then you fall into a niche of, you know, your bronzy glams or your smoky eye looks or your cut crease looks. So, yeah, I definitely say it's an amazing industry to be a part of. Yeah, there's room for everyone. That is my favourite point to end on. There is room for everyone. I think I've said this so many times and I say it not even just as a makeup artist but as like someone, a content creator or as a Mm -hmm. brand owner. It's like it's really easy to look at social media and look at be like, oh, this person is like killing it. Like they're fully booked or they've got so many like orders coming through for their Silk Oil of Morocco collab or, you know, they've got so many followers overnight and I didn't blah, 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 all this crap. It's like none of it matters none of those people are you there is room for you there is room for everyone and there's a million well there's plenty of millions of faces in Australia and beyond to do makeup for so just go for it just go for it well fan man I have loved this this hour has flown by I've watched this for so long I know thank you so much my pleasure Beth it was so amazing you're amazing I love this I love this I love this podcast because like you said it it really gets to, you get to learn a little bit behind the artists and yeah, we all have these same issues and we have these same things that we all are going through and struggle. And sometimes it's just nice to actually hear that what other people have gone through. Yeah. I think especially in the case of this beautiful man in Adelaide, like when I, mm. when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, like I can't relate to that because that hasn't happened to me. But like, yeah. 
I am sure as hell that it's happened to Fern or somebody That's else even like interviewed before. So like yeah. for you to be able to share that and be vulnerable so that they can learn and like feel supported. It's yeah. like, that's why I'm doing this. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, so my pleasure, babes. What an absolute legend. I have been following Fern for years. I don't actually even know how long. I would say at least the last three or four years I've been following him and his journey and his work and the fact that I get to organize this interview with him and talk to someone who I've admired for so long who's done so many things that I would love to do in my career and get to call that work. My God, I'm a lucky, lucky lady and we were all very lucky to get to vibe out with him today. Like he was working his ass off in the hours before that interview and he still showed up and still had so much to share with us. After we stopped recording, I begged him to paint my face and he was like, yeah, we could like snatch that. It would be great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, Fern, if you're listening, I just remembered I'm going to be on the Gold Coast on the 18th, 19th of November. So hit your girl up. (laughs) But in the meantime, there were like so many little lessons sprinkled throughout that last hour or so. But here are my top two. Actually, top three. Number one, make sure you change your social media password every so often. I am going to do that right after I stop recording. (laughs) Number two, followers are great, but they don't define you. Look, I've had a variety of artists on this show with some varying perspectives about whether they care about follower counts or whether they don't. And also to some degree, I think it's like politically correct for us to say we don't give a shit, like, oh, it means nothing. But deep down, deep down, surely, you know, we we look and we have to actively stop ourselves from passing judgment on where we're sitting at the moment. And, you know, While most of us try to remain unbothered by the numbers, realistically, if you've got 28,000 followers and in a flash, everything that you built with your audience and also something that I've just realized, all of your content is gone and that was your primary way of communicating with your clients, you're going to feel violated. And as Fern said, you might even feel the need to, in a new account, the need to prove yourself all over again. And I, as a firsthand witness account, you know, what happened to him. I watched him lose it. I saw him start a new one. I saw his, you know, following build back up. And yes, he used the resources at his disposal to, you know, help that speed along quicker, the follower growth quicker. But in the process, he really discovered that the audience didn't define his worth as an artist. His work speaks for itself. His personality speaks for itself and his clients are going to find him no matter what, period. Number three, This one goes out to all my boys in makeup or any non-binary angels in makeup or even women in makeup who feel like they're being discriminated against as an artist because of something as insubstantial as their size or their appearance or the color of their skin or maybe you've got a tattoo that people don't like. I don't know. But there is room for each and every single one of us in this industry and you simply cannot allow anyone to let you feel any differently. I've actually witnessed this firsthand while I was working alongside a male makeup artist somewhat recently. The father of the groom walked in towards the end of the makeup application, you know, as they do, they get to see the first look and all this sort of thing. And he was kind of standing back there and I'm not even going to do the voice, um, the father of the groom voice. But, you know, he starts making comments that were essentially, you know, saying that all this stuff, aka all the makeup, 
you know, so unnecessary and, oh, she, she doesn't need it, love, you don't need it, you're beautiful without it. But, you know, the person who he was talking to was like, oh, your turn next, you know, the classic father of the groom joke, right? And she's like, oh, Jeff or Dave or whatever he was, your turn next. And he's like, oh, no, no, no place for men, no place for men in makeup. Oh, my God, I just said I wasn't going to do the voice and I did it. <laughs> but, like, imagine if I went to his job, whatever it is, and started implying that, like, he shouldn't be doing it. Like, how disrespectful that that comment was to the artist who was working, who was, well, he is male. Like, absolutely not. Grow up. The fact that you exist, I'm talking to you, whoever is listening, the fact that you exist is a miracle. So do not shrink yourself down to fit into anyone else's idea of what they want you to be. It is your only job on this earth to be exactly who you want to be. Huh. Wow. Did I just turn into Oprah Winfrey? (laughs) Guys, that's enough. That's enough for me. I'm in the process of coordinating the next very exciting interview. I think you guys will all be a little bit surprised of who's coming next. It's going to be a really good one, pretty different style from Fern. So I like to keep it fresh. If there's anyone in particular that you want me to have on the show that you want me to talk to, or if there are topics that you want me to talk about in a solo episode, please let me know. For example, I've been thinking recently that maybe it would be fun to do like a manufacturing type episode where I talk you through like what goes into building a brand and how I made the makeup cleaning mist, things like that. If there's anything you want to know, let me know. I will find out for you. I will make an episode with you. If there's anyone you want back, let me know. But in the meantime, guys, come follow me on social media. Come boost up my numbers. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at BethWilson underscore MUA. You can follow the brand St. Jack on Instagram. That's at BYStJack by St. Jack or on TikTok where at St. Jack Cosmetics. I still haven't managed to get the guy on Instagram who has the handle at St. Jack to reply to my DM begging him to give it to me. So yeah, we're still in the process. Things are journey, man. Life's a journey. (laughs) I will see you on the next one. Until then, love you. Bye.